Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. In the Arabic language, many of the names uh, that men and or women have are based on the names of God. They're based on uh, the 99 names that God uh, has that are recited in a little book called the Asmal Husna, which usually <clears throat> states those names and then defines them. And uh, one of the things that Muslims do is prior to beginning anything, uh, prior to eating, prior to starting a venture, um, as an opening, they say, Bismillah irrahman irahim, which means in the name of Allah, the merciful and the compassionate. And Rahman and Rahim are two of the names of Allah. In the prayer, when the witnessing um, is said, it's said, Ashadu ala ilaha illallah wa ashadu ana Muhammad abduhu wa rasulullah, which means, I bear witness that God is God, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his Rasul, his messenger, and his Abd, slave. And many of the names have Abd, the word slave, in front of him, like Abdul Rahman, Abdul Rahim, Abdul Allah, and so forth. So, when you have these elevated names or you're given these elevated names, there's usually a prefix of slave of, or the one who is submitted to. Which brings us to the word submission. Islam is supposed to be a religion of submission. Um, So what does that mean? What does it mean to submit to Rahman, to submit to mercy? What does it mean to submit to Rahim, to submit to compassion? What does it mean to submit to Allah, to submit to God? What is submission to the higher plane? What is submission to the holy names? What is submission to the higher qualities? What does it mean to submit to them? Well, in this world, lots of people are slaves 
to lots of things. We've all heard the expression, he's a slave to his desire. He's a slave to his fears. He's a slave to his compulsions. It means that people become so attached to portions of their worldly life that they no longer control the interaction between themselves and the world, but the world controls the interaction between itself and man. Um, An alcoholic will have trouble passing a bottle of liquor without drinking some. Now, that would mean that they've lost control over their ability to withstand um, the temptation or the call or the need for the liquor. So you might, in a way, say that they have submitted to the control of liquor. A thief, if he saw a wallet on the street, would have trouble passing it by, or would have trouble picking it up and looking inside and see whose it was and giving it back to him. So he's submitted to the greed of wanting money under any circumstances. There is no longer an overriding principle as to how to obtain his money because he's submitted to greed as opposed to other things. So what does it mean to submit to mercy? What does it mean to submit to compassion? What does it mean to submit to gratitude? What does it mean to submit to peace? What does it mean? Let's talk about peace first. In order to be peaceful, we need to be without all of the things that cause us dis-ease. We need to be without all of the things that pull our peace from us. If we can't be peaceful, then it means that we have submitted to the things that take our peace away from us. We've submitted to the non-peaceful. We've submitted to the things that cause trauma to our peace. We've submitted to the things that cause 
anxiety. And what is it, for the most part, that causes anxiety? It is about having needs and or desires and not having them fulfilled. So, the things that cause us a lack of peace are unfulfilled needs. Now, needs, by the very word, gives us the idea of needing to have, of having to have. And that then gives us the idea of grasping for, taking. Well, taking is quite the opposite of submitting. So, when one is captured by the world, when one becomes a slave to the glitters and the magnetisms of illusion and spends his time trying to fulfill those needs, one has left peace, and he's left peace for need. And in trying to fulfill needs, he creates more and more needs until the needs are totally out of control. There's a a story of a uh, a sadhu. A sadhu is an Indian uh, man who has sort of given up the world. And all he had in his possession was one loincloth. But the loincloth would get dirty. So he needed someone to help him uh, with the loincloth when it got dirty by getting him another one or washing that one or he, he, he envisioned some kind of method to constantly have a clean loincloth. And to do this, he got a young boy who agreed to wash uh, one of his loincloths when it needed washing in return for some food. Well, in order to get this done, he had to get a small job in order to pay for the food for the young boy and for himself. And then he saw he wasn't capable of taking care of the young boy. So he figured he needed a woman in order to help him take care of the young boy. And so he found a woman, but the woman wouldn't stay with him unless they got married. So he got married, and now he had somebody to help raise the boy. But now he needed to feed the woman. So he needed to get a cow in order to be able to produce some food for the woman and the young boy. Well, now he needed a place for all of them to stay. And on and on and on. And this is the entanglement of what's called life. Now, 
submission within the world that we live in is a very tricky um, thing. We have to be able to carry on all of the machinations that we carry on with a child and a wife and a cow and a house and a job and bills and simultaneously not make those needs and those desire become the overwhelming force in our existence. We have to be able to do all of those things, yet be separate simultaneously from all of those things. We have to take care of our obligations, yet not be a slave to our obligations. We have to take care of our duties, but not be a slave to our duties. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. We have to do them. We all have responsibilities and duties in this world. And these duties are not necessarily simple, although they can be reduced to simplicity. They're usually made into incredibly complicated matters uh, for each of us. So we have to spend some time deconstructing our complications and bringing them down to where they are handleable for us. But the understanding that when we submit to the world, we submit to need, and when we submit to Allah, we submit to plenty, and to an overwhelming abundance is at the core of deconstructing our needs in the world. So somehow, we have to come to an understanding that our needs in the world, as opposed to causing us gratification, cause us difficulty. Our desires in the world, as opposed to giving us some kind of joyous uh, return, give us difficulty. But our submission to Allah, our submission to truth, as opposed to causing us difficulty, Giving, give us an unendless benefit of grace and peace. Because when we submit to that which is everything, there is no further need. And the heart of difficulty is desire and need. The heart of abundance is la ilaha illallah. There is nothing but God. The difference in the understandings is the difference between being tied to the world and being tied 
to Allah. Once the understanding of what submission to Allah is, then it's understood that submission to Allah means that we've given up the world and we've given up ourself and all that there is is the glory and the grace that is our master and protector and creator. And there is no need for us to have a driving will and desire because his will and his grace are sufficient for us. And because of the abundance that he has, the treasure that is available for us with him is beyond contemplation, is beyond imagination, is beyond our ability to conceive. And this is where the problem lies. It's easy to conceive the treasures of the world. It's easy to look at the world and have desire. It's difficult when we try to envision the treasures that are Allah's, because you can't see them. You can't see overwhelming mercy. You can't see overwhelming grace. You can't see the treasure of gratitude. You can't see the treasure that is peace. But if you go there, and if you come to that place, you can feel it. And when you feel it, you can understand it. And once you are in the midst of it, there's nothing that can compare to it or come close to it. So we need to deconstruct our need-based existence and construct a God-based existence a merciful-based existence. The saints give. The saints help. The saints go around dispensing God's gifts. And what are God's gifts? The saints go around dispensing mercy. The saints go around dispensing help to people's spirits. The saints go around dispensing need. We need to allow that mercy to enter us. We need to allow gratitude to enter us. As a, you can't be needy and grateful at the same time. And therein lies the conundrum, the difficulty. You can't be needy and peaceful at the same time. You can't be full of desire and be charitable at the same time. Desire has no bounds. Desire has no limits. We, 
as followers of the path of God, have decided to purposefully place limits on our worldly interactions and our worldly desires. Now, nobody is asking you or telling you you need to give up everything you have in the world. You can't give up eating. You need shelter. There's lots of things that you need in order to make this life viable within its worldly surrounds. But, simultaneously, that cannot become the main and or only source of your satisfaction within the world. It certainly can't become the source of your peace in the world because there is no peace in it. The, 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 the simple, a simple example is a dog lives to be about 7 to 11 years old. A much shorter lifespan than a human. So if you buy a dog and you put all of your love and all of your compassion into that dog, and he becomes the source of your happiness, within a short period of time, that dog is going to die and disappear. And everything that you've placed in him, and all of the need that he has fulfilled for you, will disappear. And many people go into very, very difficult depressions, when their pets die. But that's because they've been looking for more from their pet than their pet is willing to give them. Well, the world is like a pet. We put all of these needs into it, and it's going to fade from us. It's going to disappear from us. And we're going to go into some terrible, terrible times if we expect it to continue to give to us. Because there's only one thing that can continue to give. And that's the mercy that is Allah. There's only one thing that can continue to give. And that's the grace that is Allah. His cornucopia is endless. His supply is endless. Everything you see was created by him, and everything you see is sustained and maintained by him. So, he doesn't need any of these things. He creates them, he created them for you, and he sustains them for you. And he certainly means for you to partake of them and to use them. But he doesn't mean for these things to replace him in your heart. He doesn't mean for these things to become more to you than him because you can see them and you can't see him. So we need to learn to believe in the unseen. We need to learn to believe in that which we cannot hear. The... uh, We're told that within the eyes, 
there's an inner eye that can more closely see Allah. Within the ears, there's an inner ear that can come more close to hearing Allah. Within the nose, there's an inner nose that can come closer to catching the scent of Allah. Within the tongue, there's an inner tongue that can come more close to tasting the splendor of Allah. And within the heart, there is a piece of flesh that can come closer to feeling the truth that is Allah. So, just as there's a surface world, there's a surface us. Each of us has this surface being, but beneath it, there is this inner being that can connect to Allah. But if we're busy, and if we're totally committed to this surface being, we can never get in touch with the inner being. We can never get in touch with the part of us that can come close to Allah. So our work is to release ourselves from the temptations of the world. Our work is to release ourselves from the desires in the world. Our work is to release ourselves from the attachments in the world. But before we can do that, we have to know what they are, or else we will be blindly walking around in obeisance to all of our desires and in obeisance to all of our needs. We will be blindly reacting to the mind which will say, get that. You know, there's an expression, monkey see, monkey do. The monkey sees and the monkey imitates. The mind is like a monkey. That's why they send advertising at your mind. They say, see, get, see, get, see, get, see, get. And we join in, see, need, see, need. And we walk along skipping to whatever the next thing we're supposed to buy is. Why is shopping the main recreational activity in the United States? Well, for very simple reasons. It fulfills this imagined need, and when we fulfill the imagined need, there's like this spurt of happiness until we bring it home. And then it goes in the closet with our other things. Or it goes in the garage with our other things. Um, We have to become ones who understand how this works. And then, instead of being collectors of what's in the world, we have to become collectors of Allah's qualities. We have to start collecting the things 
that don't dissipate, that don't disappear, that won't abandon us. We need to put ourselves in the straight way, on the straight path. And we have to become conscious of our actions and our reactions. Because if we're not conscious of our actions and our reactions, then we are robotic. And robotic means that you react automatically to stimulus. Everybody ever hear of Pavlov's dogs? Mm -hmm. We are either Pavlov's dogs or we can become Pavlov and retrain ourselves. We don't need to be trapped by this illusory world, but it takes effort to escape. You're going to have to learn how to punch your way out of a paper bag because we're all engulfed, encased in the paper bag of the world, and we need to get out of it. We need to release ourselves from it. We need to relieve that knot that comes into the pit of our stomach when we don't have what we want, or we become afraid of what the consequences this world is going to do to us. This world is not our judge. This world is not our arbiter. The one who will judge us is Allah, and his judgment will be about the amount of mercy we had in our lives and the amount of mercy we dispensed, the amount of gratitude we had in our lives and the amount of gratitude we dispensed. Are we an aider and a better to Allah, or do we aid and abet the world? Are we tied to the dogs of creation, or are we tied to the beauty of His majesty? We each need to make this decision. And when we look at it, we will see that if we tie ourselves to Him, we untie ourselves from intolerance. We untie ourselves from race and creed. We untie ourselves from I am better than you. We untie ourselves from I am separate from you. We untie ourselves from all of the things that separate us from other people. We untie ourselves from all of the things that separate us from Allah. All people are tied to Allah. And if we separate ourselves from people, we separate ourselves from Allah. So we need to become open. Open to love. Open to kindness. Open to all of the things that are contained in haq, in reality. And who does reality belong to? It belongs to Allah. It isn't his creations. It is the creator. So we need to become in awe of our creator, in awe of his splendor, and then we need to submit to his qualities and his way. May it be easy for us. 
May he take us on a path that makes that obvious for us. There are so many difficulties in this world. There are so many obsessions in this world. We need to leave them all behind and just move towards him. He has to become our obsession. Being with him and understanding him needs to become our obsession. And then that obsession will replace all of the other thoughts and all of the other obsessions that we have within us, and we will become truly ones who choose Allah. May that be our way. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.